I tried to, uh, you know, my French bulldog. That yeah, I met him. Yeah, I mean, you scratch him. He's like, <laughs> yeah, and he'll do it like super loud. Yeah. <laughs> my wife walked in and she goes, "What are you doing?" I was scratching with one hand and I had my phone in his face. I was trying to see if it translated to voice text. <laughs> I was like, whatever this translates to, I'm going to send it to my friends. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Thanks, Mr. Uh, now look, here's a house full of bees. Like you think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I do. I think this is my favorite song that was out. Might be my favorite song that they ever did. Can't say that. I mean, that's a friend of I've gone back and tried to listen to them, like now, right? And just can't really do it. Over it, I don't love them. I, I still love them. But this stuff, the country stuff, yeah, it's like legit. So good. I like this one. There's another song on this album called Dead in the Water. Yeah. It's, that's my favorite one. I actually was like, which one? I, yeah. I had both and it queued up, but yeah. Great. Great country song. The Super Suckers, that's off the album. Their country album must have been high, I believe. Yes. Great album. Yep. I Dude, there was a period in my like, early 20s. They were like one of my favorite bands. I've seen them several times. And they, They've actually played in town a lot here. Yeah. I've never uh, loved them. Really? I know I was supposed to, but I never could really get into them. And their country stuff to me was always better than their yeah punk rock or whatever you call their music. I, I like all the stuff they did. Um that kind of, I, I go back and listen now, and it's like I, I realize, like I think I just listened to this because I was supposed to. I never really got yeah. that into it. Like I think at them and Reverend Horton Heat, I would kind of they were in the exact same uh, era for me of music. Right, like I came into both of them at the same time, and I'll go back and listen to Reverend Horton Heat now and just be just as stoked as I was back then. Yeah, there was that time in the late '90s when it, there was just like a big, you know, everything. You know, we get this lightning in a bottle trends. And um, at that time, like dirty rock and roll, everyone wore the you know the trucker hat, but it was like it was like broken a little bit. Yes, like, <laughs> it went off to the side <laughs> type of bit. Yeah, and dirty rock and roll, dirty punk rock and roll was like super kind of in vogue. So rocker from the crib, super suckers, uh, Zangrilla, Reverend Horton Heat, Turbo Negro, the Helicopters, like all these. I mean, they're all great and the. The live shows were phenomenal. One of the best shows I've ever seen was Zangorilla, Super Suckers, and the Helicopters played, and it was like amazing. I couldn't. I don't know those other two bands. You never listened to Helicopters? No. Oh, dude. Really? Yeah. Oh, you love Zangorilla was from San Francisco. They're oh, really? Band. Yeah. Helicopters were a Swedish band, but they used to all tour all the time. Funny you should bring that up. I didn't while while we played that clip. I had this like weird feeling because I'll every once in a while I'll go back and listen to that old Super Sucker stuff. I'm like it's still so good. Their first stuff is just straight up, just like grungy, like 
just filthy rock and roll, like punk rock and roll, real fast and everything. But it's all tongue in cheek. All their, you know, the lyrics are like they always have like this weird comedic spin on stuff. Nice. And uh, Eddie Spaghetti, the singer and bass player, has just got like an awesome sense of humor. Never takes anything too seriously. But um, you will remember this. The last time I saw the Super Suckers was the last time. This must have been, well, 13 years ago. They got kicked out of a show. They played here at the brewery, at Russian River Brewery. Oh, they yes. They threw me out. I do remember this. That was the Super Suckers. That huh? was Super Suckers. That's right. Yeah. I remember you went down there by yourself. Mm-hmm. And you tried to uh, intervene in a uh, a fight to there, try to. You were basically like, correct me if I'm wrong. This right. is my recollection. You were trying to keep some drunk idiot from ruining the show, right? And he and, was, and which he was on his way to do. Yeah. And then you got kicked out. Yeah. Because that guy actually worked because he was the Russian River Brewery. Employee of the brewery. Yeah. <laughs> he was the head bouncer. <laughs> he was this big fat guy, and he was just blind drunk and he's just holding up a middle finger like right in front of the guitar player and guitar players just like not happy he's like dude what what are you doing man and the show is a little off kilter anyway yeah it's like it's not a good place for a rock show no i believe that's the last show they ever had there if i remember correctly that wouldn't surprise me they don't have a stage anymore and then he started like just screaming at people and then he started get up on the stage and you know the stage is what 12 inches high something like that and i just tugged his shirt and i told him i was like hey dude how am i hey buddy just why don't you relax, like take it easy or whatever. And he just like, he took that as an invitation. Like he wanted to fight. He sticks his middle finger in the middle of my face. And he's like, I'll stick this up your fucking ass. You know what I mean? I'm like, I just got my hands out. I'm like, all right, dude, just mellow out, man. And I was like, look around you. Everyone's staring at you right now. Like you're that guy. Like you don't want to be that guy. Like this just want you go sit down. Like what are you fully trying to deescalate the situation? Get the tap on my shoulder. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Talk to you outside. I'm like, Sure. No idea who this guy is. It's a security guard. He's like, you got to go. I'm like, for what? I was like, I saw you pull that guy's shirt. I'm like, I did you watch that whole situation go down? Like, he's like, dude's out of control. I'm trying to just like, I was trying to like deescalate the situation and just have him like mellow out. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's bumming everyone out in this entire room. Yeah. And the guy, the security guard actually was being a decent guy. He's like, yeah. look, dude, I'm just, I got to bounce you. That's how it is. And uh, he's like, it's almost the end of the show anyway. And so I was like, so pissed just on principle. Yeah. I was like, uh, did you pull out your pocket constitution? <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Excuse me. We live in America, sir. And you so I just and- stood there in the sidewalk. He's like, you can go now. I was like, no, I got, I got some words I want to have with this guy if the show's almost over. <laughs> and so I waited for him outside and he came out and I don't like fighting. I don't like conflict, but I just couldn't let it go. And I just told this guy, I was just like, hey, dude, um, I found out later he worked there. Yeah. Which made me even angrier. But I told the guy, I'm like, hey, dude, you got a lot to learn about, like, how to behave in public. I was like, look around you. Like, everyone came here to see a show, and they're here to, like, relax and blow off a little steam, have a good time. And you bummed, like, everyone out here. I was like, you got a lot to learn about, like, manners and respect. <laughs> basically, like, giving a speech like he's a kid. And, he, and the guy goes, he just said something. He's just like, fuck you. And so I just, like, I was like, all right, I'm going to walk to the end of the block. Why don't you meet me down there? I'll be there in like 10 minutes. <laughs> and I went down there and waited for him. He never showed up. <laughs> went down there and started doing push-ups. <laughs> yeah, I was so pissed, dude. I just, I just went from like, I'm going to try to be like rational, rational and reasonable. No, and just no, like, no. And it, and no just, you don't, you don't wait for the guy to leave the bar being <laughs> yeah. rational and, yes, yes. and reasonable. My, my mistake. <laughs> yeah. And I just flipped the switch. I was like, all right, dude, let's, we're fighting. <laughs> 
And then by the time that got to our, what we call, you know, our local, the local pub, which was on the way home, I was walking home. Everyone had heard about it. I walked in and all my friends there were like, whoa, dude, yeah. <laughs> getting ready to throw some hands. I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus, really? <laughs> nice. Yeah. Try to do the right thing. Did not work out. Yeah, well, that's the joke's on them. That was the last show they ever had. So, you know that you're not allowed to have uh, live hip hop shows downtown Santa Rosa? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Really? Yep. Why? It's too many problems? I'm guessing, yeah, that's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we're just more kind of rock and roll <laughs> on the main strip. No, it's pure racism, Matt, obviously. <laughs> All right, dude, I got an article I got to read you. My buddy, who's a attorney, mentioned this to me, and I didn't believe him at mm-hmm. first. I was like, you got to send me something on that. So here's the article. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to read this article. Okay. Uh, feel free to interject. Okay. This is from Business Innovation, written uh, in February of this year. Okay. Apocalypse, IRS says you still need to pay taxes. <laughs> This is an explainer. The IRS has contingency plans in place to collect taxes even after a catastrophic apocalypse. However, that doesn't mean they're prepared for everything, Matt. Let's say it's the end of the world. It doesn't matter how. Where is this article? Where's it coming from or where's it going? (laughs) Either way. If you want to know where it's going, you're just going to have to listen. My head is spinning right now. This is from the Jerusalem Post. Mm -hmm. Never heard of it. Let's just say it's the end of the world. Doesn't matter how. Maybe the Russia-Ukraine war finally went nuclear and the earth has turned into a radioactive wasteland. Maybe climate change has caused a series of weather disasters that has ended society as we know it. Maybe both happened. The doomsday clock certainly indicated both are possible. Or maybe it's the Christian rapture or the arrival of the Jewish Messiah. But what matters is that if you thought the apocalypse would exempt you from paying taxes, the U.S. Internal (laughs) Revenue Service has some bad news for you. Because not even the literal end of the world will stop them from taking your taxes. (laughs) Wait, the IRS will tax you after the apocalypse? The headline asks. Yes, it's true. The IRS has an apocalypse plan, and they will make sure everyone, assuming they are a U.S. citizen, who doesn't make use of the normal ways of legally avoiding paying taxes, pays in the end. Uh, I, I was in a bit of a funk today and this article is actually putting me in the best mood ever. <laughs> so just, unless I'm missing something or I'm a little loose in my definitions is the apocalypse happens, the Messiah comes, or we're in a nuclear winter and an IRS agent <laughs> somehow shows up, if I have a door still shows up and he's like, uh, you're, you're, you haven't paid your taxes. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, there's, there's, everything's gone. I don't have a job. You know, everything's gone. Yeah. I'm like, so what are the ramifications of this? He's like, well, as you know, if you get behind on your taxes and everything's electronic, he's like, well, we'll shut down your bank account. I'm like, there's no banks. He's like, well you, well, you won't be able to use an ATM. I'm like, there's no electricity. Like, everything's gone. I want you to remember one thing here. They're armed. <laughs> they armed all the IRS agents <laughs> recently. 87,000 new IRS agents. I don't think that's a coincidence. Huh. They're armed for a reason. They're not armed for self-defense. Yeah. Or no. maybe they are in their eyes. Right, but, right, right. Um, I, that, that occurred to me as I was reading this article earlier that, like, oh, my God, they armed all of the IRS agents. Yeah. 
there doesn't really need, uh, there's no reason to have an armed IRS agent in normal everyday uh, paying your taxes or getting an audit or whatever. Like they have never needed to be armed. They don't need to be armed now. Yeah. Why do you arm them? I think you arm them for a plan like this. They're trying to militarize the IRS. In well, case well, they, they need to go door to door during a time when there is no other law and order, they're still, you, you know, asserting their authority in this, in this regard. So and you set to pay taxes, unless of course you're not a natural born citizen. You came here illegally, in which case, you know, by all means, sir, continue to work without paying taxes. It's almost like these things are being done by design. <laughs> you know, it's funny on this podcast, like sometimes I wonder, like, is it worth pointing out the hypocrisy? I just feel like the hypocrisy is oh, assumed. Yeah. But no, it is. I think it has to be pointed out. It's only, it's only the, uh, the hypocrisy is only assumed if you are of a certain wiring, which I actually am going to talk about a little bit today. Yeah, well, you and I are. And so sometimes I feel like we don't do our listeners justice because we skip over things that may not. I just, I, you know, I just assume people, everyone's an anti-authoritarian psycho like I am. I do too. And it's funny. All the people who I know listen that tell me they listen to us rambling for whatever reason they do are not nearly as far out there. As we are. I, it, it took me a long time to realize that. Except for maybe Eddie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, carry and on. And there's only like two or three people that are farther down that road. There's a couple. There are a couple. They will remain there. Or I'm the, I'm the NPC going like, yeah. Hey, okay, <laughs> okay, let's just slow down here. <laughs> Not everything is a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, so they, uh, anyways, yeah. So um, back to the article. So does that mean that the plot of the next Fallout game will be about an IRS agent in a nuclear wasteland, U.S. collecting taxes from everyone left? Maybe. Bethesda, let's talk. So, with U.S. tax season around the corner, let's talk about how the IRS will keep taxing come doomsday. Called the Continuity Cooperations Plan, this was first published in 1980s. I love the names. I love I know, the names. They're I know. so good. Genius. It was first published in the 1980s, but has been continuously updated. This enormous document prescribes a plan for how, in case of an apocalyptic scenario, the IRS can resume tax collection in just 12 hours. Yes, it will be that quick. The plan focuses on three tiers of continuity. Well, that's a load off. MEFs, mission essential function, meaning a type of job that the IRS deemed essential. We've heard that before. This is, this is a, a COG, a, a continuity of government document, but written for uh, yeah. revenue confiscation. Exactly. Confiscation. Yeah. Well, which should start to scare the living hell out of you because when they run these tabletop, hypothetical tabletop exercises, event 201, Dark Winter, Crimson Contagion, Continuity of Government, Project for a New American Century, it always seems like, well, we ran this simulation and then that simulation seems to happen, which should be a little terrifying. It does, but not as well as they wish it would. And I yeah. wonder if you and I are, let's say we are the... Uh, evil twin brothers of who of who we are now. Right. And we're sitting here having our evil podcast. And we're talking about how all of these plans that were put into place were, you know, like let's say event 201. Right. Was actually supposed to wipe out tons of people. Right. But it didn't work. Yeah. 
and it fell short. And we're sitting here going, they can never get it right. We planned this shit out. We're supposed to be dominating the world. We're supposed to be murdering millions and millions of people. And it just never fucking works because all we have to choose from people to pull off these events for us are these retarded government employees. Yeah. Do you remember that? I think James sent it to us, that video of the training of the new federal agents with guns and they were going into the Capitol. Oh my God, yeah. They were like new yeah. Capitol Police or something, right? Right. The most overweight, one of them was in a fucking wheelchair. Yeah. Overweight, just completely clueless about how to not just hold a gun, but interact with other human beings or assert yeah. any sort of authority. And you're watching that and you're like, these are the people that we're up against. And I think that that's that, that does happen. And... This article actually touches on that let, with with COVID and and the IRS. Oh, really? Yeah. In a second, I'll, I'll, I'll let, get to let me float something to you. Are yeah. you familiar with the Mott and Bailey philosophy? Yes. Okay. That would be where you uh, attack someone on some ground that's completely shaky ground, like not not a very uh, accurate. Um, you're using a lot of fallacies right. uh, and exaggerating their case, yep. and when they push back, you retreat. Back to but you only treat back, you only retreat like ninety percent. You retreat and, back to a and, safe and area. You, you've, so you've mo- you've moved the ball though. You've moved your yeah. you know the expanded your fortress well, like, or whatever. The, the Proud Boys are all uh, flaming racists. And it's like well, they're they're not racist. They some of them have black whites. Oh, so you don't think racism exists right in the world? Like no, I didn't say that. I, of course it exists. And yeah. Then, so they attack you out there and then they retreat to a, a safe place. You think. From uh, from an ideological perspective, that the same thing can be applied to just this is we're getting a little abstract here, but when they propose something like an event two hundred one, right? Yeah, and I think there's a pretty strong case to be made. Like they predicted this thing, but it was going to be this severe. You know, it was going to be a nine out of ten. Ended up being a one out of ten. Yeah, but they moved the agenda that one out of ten. Sure, right. Yeah, kind of makes sense a little bit. I think they have to take that into consideration. They know who they're dealing with. Right. They know that they're not going to get 100% uh, effectiveness out of their plans. Every yeah. Time. Yeah, I think that's probably... I think that's how, that's kind of peculiar how like some of that works as an idea because I think they float out there. Like what, what last, just a couple of weeks ago, they floated out last month. They were like, we're talking about like masks and lockdowns again. And just people were not having it. We're like, no, nah. There was just such a resistance. They're like, yeah. they're test. They're like the uh, the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park. They're constantly just testing the fence, testing the fence. Like, exactly. What, what, what can we get? What can we get, get away with? Like, what will we get people to willingly buy along with? The way that an authoritarian regime would te- yeah. get these ideas out yeah. there. Like, we're gonna do something. We're gonna kind of overshoot the mark. Yeah. Just kind of gauge as a as a kind of social barometer. Like, pray for the what the pray pushback's for the best gonna outcome. be. Yeah, and they're like, okay, a little too much. We'll dial it back a little mm-hmm. bit. But meanwhile, there's this. Uh, a lot of people call it mission creep, or as David Ike yeah. describes it, like we don't go from A to Z. We go from A to B, to B to C, to C to D. Yeah, and but they'll float out the idea at oh, like an H yeah. <laughs> or something like that, and they're like, okay, cool, like too much, and you know. Well, meanwhile, we've moved from A to B. I think we were joking about that recently on a podcast where it was like. Uh, they were flirting with the idea of bringing back mask mandates, and people were like, "Okay, yes, sir, can do. Give me that mask." Yeah. Like throwing the mask on, and they're like, "Whoa, whoa, easy!" Like we weren't. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> people miss the mask. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you got something there. So, all right, back to the article. This plan focuses on three tiers of continuity: MEFs, mission 
essential function, meaning the type of job that the IRS deemed essential, and ESAs, essential supporting activity, which need to happen to support the MEFs. BPPs, business process priorities, which are considered important but not essential. DPBs, deferred business priority. Sound confusing? It should. And it's only the start of the many acronyms in this document. And that's intentional. Uh Uh-huh. I think there's a a pretty apt metaphor when you read that book, The Big Short, or you watch the movie, Mm -hmm. and they talk about the finance guys and Mm -hmm. the the MBS system and uh, the derivatives market. It's like it's it we we intentionally obfuscate the the language to make you think that we're the experts and we're in charge. Yeah, it's, it, it just you you throw out all these like acronyms and terms to people, and yeah. your average layman goes like, "I don't know what that is." So like, but I do, so that's why I'm yeah. gonna do this for you, and you have nothing to worry about. And when you finally figure it out, it's like, "Oh, you're just gambling." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, more or less. MEFs are IRS jobs that are essential and must be up and running within 12 hours of an apocalypse, which includes dealing with tax returns, tax remittances, and tax refunds. <laughs> yeah, right. ESAs <laughs> refer to the support network needed for MEFs, like IT service, physical security, payroll, and human resources. BPPs include functions like taxpayer assistance and compliance activities. DPBs are the things that may be important but aren't necessarily supporting an MEF or don't have deadlines but are rather discretionary. In other words, these might not be up and running for a while. This 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 makes you question your own sanity because I used to see things, I'll, I'll, I'll take it back like five years, maybe something like that, where I would see things and I'm like, this is astounding that's even happening. But now I'm starting to feel like a battle-hardened like Vietnam vet. It's just whatever you see, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's kind of in line. Yeah, <laughs> with what I, with what I perceive these people to be, it takes me back to what I was just saying about sometimes I don't even feel like we need to talk about it because it's like it just seems so obvious. Yeah, but no, it does need to be brought up. Then you bring it up with people that are like, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, exactly. And that's to go back to the uh, the notion of um, normative conformity and the and the lack of internal dialogue. I was like, have you thought of this? Or just like an, in a, in an unwillingness to l- dig deeply into the most negative things that you come across, right. <laughs> which we do <laughs> instinctually. <laughs> and then make fun of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But who is going to be in charge? The current person in charge of the IRS is the acting commissioner, Doug O'Donnell, at the time of this writing. But will he still be at the helm comes doom- come doomsday? This will be a number of local community representatives, LCRs, as part of the (laughs) continuity community, which will also include with members of the emergency response team. The LCR will be aided by the senior management team, which will provide the LCR with logistical, managerial, and administrative guidance. The senior management team is something continuously updated with each member's name, position, and full contact information listed in the COOP roster for its IRS members. There will be a bunch of different teams available to be in charge of general leadership, which in turn serve as a part of the line of succession. Should the previous teams be compromised, possibly by whatever apocalyptic disaster has unfolded. Likewise, there will also be several different relocation facilities where the leadership team can be relocated depending on the day. What would you say you do here? Exactly. So I imagine when I'm reading this, this awesome plan being put into place with all these great, like if this happens, you go here. If this happens, you do that. And then all hell breaks loose. And you, can you imagine, like, who's actually in charge of 
like right. their own position has to be, you know, that person that's in charge of their position has to be, you know, totally dialed into this, trained on this, has to function perfectly for it to all work. And then I go back to that video we saw of those fucking idiots that they were training as the Capitol Police. And like, those are the people that are going to be doing these jobs. Like, it is never going to work. Well, step one, you have to, at first we have to consider, like, what is the pool of talent, I'm using my uh, finger quotes there, that they're drawing from? People that want to work and support the bureaucracy. Like, all right, so we're already pulling from the dumbest 10, 10% motherfuckers in the entire country. I think you're even overselling it. Think so? People that want to work and support the bureaucracy. It's like people that know they have to work. Yeah. They don't want to work. It's not, it's not, and, it's not merit based. It's not performative based. And they don't really care about supporting their, the bureaucracy. They're not true believers. Right. They're just like, oh, that seems like a good job. Good benefits. Yeah. You know, I can be fat Let's and just check know, the boxes and I get a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a security guard <laughs> with a gun. Uh, all right. We got a lot of movie quotes we got to pack into this episode already. I can already tell. Now, it's totally. Now, that's fine and all, but what about the actual taxes? Back in the 1980s, there was a proposed general sales tax that would act as a standby tax program to encourage savings and help rebuild the U.S. capital stock. All of this would be made possible by the establishment of net work described in a long document to make sure the IRS agents have the support and tools needed to keep collecting taxes. But what about actual money? The IRS has actually made plans for this too, as documented in Garrett M. Graff's book, which this book sounds pretty cool. I'm going to check it out. Uh-huh. Raven Rock, the story of the U.S. government's secret plan to save itself while the rest of us die. Does that sound like a good fucking book or what? (laughs) The Federal Reserve has around $2 billion stored away at a bunker in Mount Pony, Virginia. This is supposed to last 18 months to keep the economy going, as after 18 months, they should have mints printing hard currency again. Supposedly, much of this $2 billion is in the form of $2 bills. Really? Interesting little little twist. Tidbit. Yeah. So, does this IRS apocalypse plan cover everything? Surprisingly, no. As noted by Arizona State University professor Adam Chodorow, there is an apocalyptic scenario that can pose considerable problems when it comes to taxes. This refers naturally to a zombie apocalypse. Now, logically, the IRS plan for collecting taxes after the apocalypse would still apply here. The problem is <clears throat> with, every, with the very nature of a zombie apocalypse in that it isn't clear if zombies would need to be taxed or not. <laughs> Chodoro's 2017 paper noted that there is a glaring gap in the academic literature regarding how estate and income tax laws apply to the undead. And of course, this wouldn't just refer to zombies. It could also apply to ghosts or vampires or any other form of the undead. <laughs> Would it apply to clones? Unclear. But should we take but should we really be taking the idea of a zombie apocalypse seriously? Yes. While the IRS may not have plans in place for a zombie apocalypse, the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, does, with its guidance having been released in 2016. Not only that, but the U.S. military also has contingency plans for a zombie apocalypse. So, if the CDC and military can plan for it, why can't the IRS? This raises an interesting question of whether zombies would be counted as people. Besides, if a zombie apocalypse did happen, what if people tried to become a zombie intentionally to avoid paying taxes? 
Uh, a loophole there. This is from the Jerusalem Post. Yes, I I really need to subscribe. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> Though that would also probably depend on the kind of zombification we're dealing with. All right, so that was kind of silly, but listen to this part. This um, actually. There's a reason, I think, for them to include that. But do you know what else the IRS contingency plan wasn't prepared for? COVID. So they have, they have not prepared for a zombie apocalypse. No, they have not. Okay. And they did not prepare for COVID. Okay. Even though other arms of the government clearly were preparing the CDC. for COVID right. down to the actual wet market that the disease was supposed to have come from. <laughs> and this... Makes me, this is what got me thinking about like, yeah, you can have all the plans you want, but who's going to right. be in charge of implementing these plans down to the, like the actual nimrods that you hire? The LCRs. <laughs> exactly. They got it covered. Indeed, throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, the IRS had a major backlog of tax returns and a heavy inventory of unprocessed returns. As noted by the Government Accountability Office, the IRS had a backlog of around 10.5 million paper returns and returns stopped for errors at the end of 2021. This is part of some ongoing issues the IRS has had, as well as just how unprepared the U.S. bureaucratic infrastructure was for the COVID pandemic. And if plans recently published by Republicans in Congress ever come to fruition, the IRS itself may face its own personal apocalypse, defunded and eventually abolished as the GOP restructures the U.S. tax system. God willing. Oh, Lord. This is a little terrifying. Got to be honest with you. Yeah. No, it wasn't meant to cheer you up. No. I knew it would, though. In some weird way. It does. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's perverted and strange so, and abnormal, but yes. Okay, let's take a look at how this... You know, it's a funny article and it's, you know, a little bit tongue in cheek, obviously. Right. But the IRS does have a plan for the apocalypse. Right. Which just goes to show you what psychopaths they are. They can't do their job well now, but they're going to spend billions of dollars probably or millions at least, you know, creating some plan for some obscure chance of some random thing happening in the future. Right. That they won't be actually able to pull off because they can't pull off their jobs now doing yeah. what they're supposed to be doing now. Right. Right. And it made me think of the, I recently got this notice in the mail from EDD, which is California's uh, Employment uh, Development Department. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They're the ones that make sure you're paying your disability taxes and right. shit like that. Or if you pay too much. I don't think they. No, not so much. Send you many <laughs> notices in that regard. So uh, I get this, like over the summer, I got this notice that I owed like seven grand and Right. Taxes for a time period that I didn't have any employees at all. Yeah. And I was just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like now I have to take time out of my day to deal with this. So I just kind of shine it on mm -hmm. and then I get another notice. It's Why don't you just call them? Well, funny you should say that I did call them <laughs> and the call went something like this. I had to listen through like at least five minutes of we are here to help you with your uh, figuring out how to pay your disability taxes. If you would like more help with paying disability taxes or understand how to work our website or you're new to blah, 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 you know, just like you're just sitting there listening to all this like yeah. wonderful, helpful information that I'm sure every single person who's calling them really was curious about because they didn't have much going on in their day. They thought, you know, I'm just going to give them a call and see if there's any new programs available for me to check out. And so they... Eventually, I, I push all the fucking buttons, dude. If you were on this call, it would have been, would have oh, yeah, either made your day or <laughs> sent you into a fucking tailspin. But I'm pushing all their goddamn buttons, trying to get to the point where I can talk to someone about this stupid 
notice that I got that yep. I owe taxes for employees that I never actually had. Right. I get to the end and they're like, we're sorry. Uh, it appears that there are no options for us to help you. Goodbye. Click. And they just oh fucking God. hang up on me. I'm just like, <laughs> so the notices keep coming in the mail and I just keep shining them on. Cause it's like, right. well, it's not my fault. I didn't have any employees. I can't possibly owe you any money. Well, of course, the amount that I supposedly owe just keeps going up yeah. and up and up. And it's around 10 grand now. And so I call my payroll. We're going to be reading about you in the paper here in about six months. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> I call my payroll company and the lady on the phone goes, what's your tax ID number that's on that form? And I give it to her. And she goes, that's not your tax ID. <laughs> Wait, isn't your tax ID just your social social security? No, number? you have a uh, tax ID. Oh, right, right. right. Like, okay, gotcha. It, it, it's it's not the. Uh, I know what you're thinking of. Yeah. It's, it's not that. It's it's your account with EDD, basically. Right. Your account number. So I give it to her. It's the wrong fucking account. So they sent this fucking notice to the wrong account. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're off the hook. How much time do you spend trying to deal with that? Yeah, no shit. Well, my payroll company said, oh, we, we handle that kind of stuff for you. Just send us the information. I was like, oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one beautiful thing about ADP. Um, and I got a fucking parking ticket. Same thing for a, this has been going on for like a year now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a truck that I no longer own got a parking ticket in Oakland and they keep, they're sending it to collections now. I'm dealing with the collections agency for this fucking parking ticket that came on a truck <laughs> that I didn't even fucking own. And so it's the same fucking thing. Yeah, it's terrifying that the government thinks that they need to spend their time and money coming up with a plan for fucking you over during the apocalypse. But the reality is... They can't even do the job they're supposed to do right now. That's why I was talking to someone about, like, you think there might be a government shutdown? I'm like, what, honestly, what would be the difference? It's like, well, there'd be right. no TSA at the airport. I'm like, don't 90% of all weapons and, you know, fabricated bombs make through their, you know, when they test their own security system? I'm like, yeah. what, what, what? Like, what are, you, what are you worried about? Yeah, like the, the terrorists are just waiting for that day when the government shuts down to <laughs> hatch their plan. Finally, my shoe bomb. <laughs> All right, there's no TSA. This is going to be easy. Like, you could just walk right through it with a bomb. I'm sure you're fine, allegedly, <laughs> in Minecraft. Great article. Yeah. I like that. Funny, huh? Yeah. Um, all right, switching gears. Did you happen to see uh, the Canadian government praising the I did homegrown Nazi. I feel like maybe we they should had in their uh, midst. bring this one up. Take a gander. So for oh, those clown world keeps getting clownier. For those who are not uh, in the know, I want to hear your take on this because I had a fairly kind of unique take. I had some of the usual stuff, and then uh, but it got me like thinking about a couple things. Okay, so so. To me, this was an absolute gift from God. Oh, it was. It was great. I couldn't believe that this happened. What happened, for those who don't know, is that in the Canadian Parliament, the, um, the, the, the people that are in charge there... Uh, invited a World War II veteran yes, into in the, the House of the Commons. The Canadian uh, House of Commons, yeah. In order to praise him for his excellent work fighting the Russians, Russians mm-hmm. uh, uh, during World War II, which uh, that in and of itself, it's like, <laughs> was he an ally? Because the allies didn't fight the Russians. Right. Okay, so this, but all they all they hear, and the fucking, just monkeys that are 
in suits in this House of Commons. Just they just hear fighting the Russians and they just like, just, yeah. Instantly like, oh, he fought the Russians. He fought the Russians. Yeah, because we hate the Russians. We've always hated the Russians. We've always been at war with the Russians. The Anything perverse. Russian, You're looking at this like, root, like entire, just giant building full of people just applaud. They're yeah. all trying to like, out applaud yeah. the other guy. Exactly. So, it's yeah, hilarious. exactly. So they, they invite this guy in and when they introduce him, everyone gets up and starts applauding like maniacs. And what does that remind you of? The Gulag Archipelago, mm-hmm. when there's that story of uh, no one can stop applauding because the first person who stops applauding... It means they're not a true believer. ...will be the least true believer yeah, in the and, room. And people ended up passing out from exhaustion. Yeah, which is the move, by the way. When we are living in Gulag times, if you find yourself in that position, fake passing out. They can't fault you for that. Uh-huh. In fact, you can sell that as you were so exuberant, you were actually more I was, excited I was than everyone else. so much harder than the, yeah. the guys next to me. I was I just so out. excited about our dear leader that I passed out. Right. Yeah. So, you know, file that one away for the uh, Gulag uh, notebook. All right. So here is the, uh, what do you call the guy that is the head of the House of Commons? Uh, Anthony Rhoda is the speaker. Justin Trudeau, obviously, is the prime minister. And um, the oh. speaker that introduced this... Uh, <laughs> Nazi allegedly, um, according to the mainstream media, was yeah. uh, Miroslav Hunka. Oh, that was the guy's name. Uh, that that was the the Nazi. Anthony yeah. Anthony Rhoda was the speaker that introduced him. He's the one that will hear his voice in the video. So uh, Gabe at Sportsman's Arms posted this picture of this uh, old 1940 German Ruger. Uh-huh. Uh, I saw that the with the big drum on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, things crazy. Yeah. And I responded, I said, hey, take it easy there, uh, Anthony Rhoda. <laughs> <laughs> you might be too hip for the room there, but uh, I know. it's like, a solid joke, though. It took me a good five minutes to think of what the right response. I thought, take it easy, Justin Trudeau. Nah, it doesn't quite, you know, uh, it's you know, a, little, a, little, a little on the nose. Yeah, just a little too obscure. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Hopefully he got it. If he got it, I'll be impressed. But all right, here is the, uh, the clip. We have here in the chamber today Ukrainian Canadians, Ukrainian Canadian world veteran from the Second World War who fought the Ukrainian independence against the Russians and continues to support the troops today, even at his age of 98. How is he supporting him? Well, that's fantastic. So there's some context here. Want to pause it? Yeah, this this was so that was Anthony Rhoda, speaker in the House of Commons in the Canadian Parliament, and he basically th- th- this whole thing was centered around a ceremony in the House of Commons, for which little our favorite effeminate social puppeteer, young global leader <laughs> activist uh, Justin Trudeau, basically this whole thing was organized. Zelensky was there, and the whole thing was centered around. Trudeau basically convincing Canadians of why I'm going to bilk you out of your tax money because yeah. and the importance of sending it to um, Ukraine, That's what, which is why Zelensky was there and which is also why uh, this guy Miroslav Hunka was there to basically have like this, it's theater. It's like a dog and pony show. It's, it's bread and circuses. It's like, yeah. look, and here's a guy that fought the Russians. Like, and that's what we're doing right now. And so you start to ask the questions, um, did you get so let's let's start off while you're talking I'm going to play this um m- minutes long applause in the background of <laughs> okay, your background perfect. music <laughs> <laughs> So Justin Trudeau gives this insanely fiery speech emotionally driven you know yelling at the podium about the importance of like that we're going to 
we need to send all this money to Ukraine. They need money, right? Zelensky's there, basically. Zelensky, who's basically the world's most successful welfare recipient and military-industrial complex grifter, is there. He needs more, even more money. Uh, did he uh, not have a father in his, uh, his, in his household when he was a kid? I'm pretty sure he did, so, oh. which makes him... Uh, How did he get the welfare? <laughs> I thought that was a rule. So... I mean, the U.S. alone has sent them, what are we at, $250 billion? I've lost track, I think, at this point. So first off, let's talk about, let's, let's hit the low-hanging fruit. This would be the hypocrisy. Hold on. Don't, don't go, are you about to go into your uh, oh, you go your for thing? Because let me just, I want to tie this into something else real quick. Um, the, to me, the reason this was a gift from God was because we have been noting from the beginning yeah. that Ukraine has a Nazi problem. I didn't know Which, this. We're going to get into that. Until I went this, deep. <laughs> until this war started. But um, if you Google or dildo, whichever you prefer, uh, Ukraine Nazi problem, you will come up with a lot of articles pre-2019 mm-hmm. that talk about this Nazi problem, Nazi problem in Ukraine. Right. From the New York Times, from, you know, liberal that, places. And that, and that lineage can be drawn all the way back to World War II, to the actual Nazi party. Right. Yeah. And it, it kind of makes sense. If you're one of these chuckleheads in the House of Commons that are, like, about to start applauding for something that you don't, <laughs> you know, know what you're applauding for. Arr, then arr, arr, arr. Exactly. you got to think, like, huh, this guy was in World War II and he's fighting against the Russians. Like... <laughs> Hmm. And I'm extra sensitive because I know that not uh, Ukraine has a Nazi problem. Yeah. I'm going to take a second before I just start applauding. By the way, I am not a applause person. Mm-hmm. What movie was that that somebody got thrown in the gulag for not applause? Anyways, I I hate I hate clapping when other people are clapping. Uh-huh. I don't do it. I always resist. I think when I see other people clapping and there's that urge, like everyone else starts clapping because, oh, we're clapping now. It's like, I always think like, I'm not clapping. Normative conformity. I am not clapping. And then I have to think about it. I'm like, does this person deserve my applause? Was that a good song? Really? Was it a good song? Was that joke funny? Did that really touch on a nerve? Like, I'm not applauding just because someone is something. Now, if I think to myself, okay, yes, I do know their accomplishments. I do know that that joke was funny that song whatever then i'll applaud and that makes me kind of a weirdo but everyone listening to this right now please be like me do not just fucking go along because everyone else in the room is applauding you're gonna find yourself one day in the house of commons going yay nazis you know Like, if I was in that room, I would have been the one guy standing there with my arms crossed, like, I don't know who this motherfucker is. Why am I applauding for him? Yeah, I'm doing some math here. Okay, so the first two things that start to me, well, there's the hypocrisy, and then there's the incompetency, two things which are rife in government, and I'm surprised but neither. But so the first thing that you're talking about is if you were sitting there in the House of Commons, you're like, this is a World War II war hero that fought the Russians. Like, it's not a finite math to go... 98, fought the Russians. Okay, so now he's too old for Vietnam, Russians, so that takes him out of Korea. So that must be he was in World War II, right? Who fought, Who the, fought Russians? the Russians in World War II? <laughs> Germany. Germany. Uh, what what are they known for? Is he uh, Japanese? Uh, is he... Um, doesn't look <laughs> Japanese. They all not look the Japanese. same to me, but I don't think he's Japanese. 
Okay, so what do I know about Germany in World War II? Well, they created the Autobahn. Very nice, very nice. And uh, that would take that, about and three the, seconds in your head to get there. Well, they made the Volkswagen. Yeah, not bad. Um, Economy cars. Yeah, first use of the IBM computer. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, Anne Frank. What does Anne Frank remind you? Oh, Anne Frank, uh, trans activist, drag queen impersonator. <laughs> right killed someone Oregon. in Virginia. Very not, wait, I got off track here. Uh, what, about, <laughs> what else? I mean, uh, why was Anne Frank hiding in the attic? Because uh, the Nazis. Oh, she was Jewish. Oh, Nazis. That's what I'm, Wait a minute. Hey, hold on. Okay, so let's make an <laughs> assumption. When we have a speech in the House of Commons and Justin Trudeau's going to be, everyone is vetted in that entire building. They know everyone everyone that goes through that door to be in there, right? Because the, 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 the prime minister is in there. And they know the schedule for the speech. At some point, did no one do that math? Like, hey, guys, uh, just doing a quick math, double check my math by all means. But I'm just thinking in my head, if you fought the Russians in World War II, which is kind of can only be the, the battle that he fought. Like, let's, does that guy fight for the Nazis by any chance? So, like, should we run that through someone? It's so beautiful. It is. Because we are supposed to be the Nazis. We're <laughs> called Nazis. We're the ones saying that, no, there's a Nazi problem in Ukraine. And then they bring Vladimir Zelensky, the leader of Ukraine, into the House of Commons. And who do they introduce? A fucking Nazi. <laughs> and the whole place goes nuts for him like he's some fucking rock star. And it's like, we've been saying this the whole goddamn time. Like, yes. It's just this awesome vindication that we're never going to get credit for, right? No one's ever going to admit that, okay, seriously, there is a Nazi problem. And actually, if we really look at who the Nazis are here, right? You know, who's being more Nazi like in the world right now, the West or the Russians? Yes. Right? Then, you know, but we're never going to get that. In fact, the article that I, one of the articles that I found about this, uh, actually, yeah. Has, has, the, da it's, has it's, the damage control been run it's out? The full, they've just rolled out this <laughs> yes. full-on damage control, you know, assault mission. And this is from the Euromaiden press. And one of the highlights. Did you say Euromaiden? Yeah. That is interesting. Do you know, you know, where, that you know where that name comes from? No. Euromaiden. Is also an abbreviated version of that is the Maiden or the Madon, which was the name of the coup that happened oh, in 2014 the, the in Ukraine, Maiden. which I'm going to talk about today. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, put a pin in that. Mm -hmm. um, the that title the of this lot. title of this article is a complicated truth about Yaroslav Hunka. Mm -hmm. So right there. Right. What is the complicated truth? That and he fought for the Waffen-SS Galicia Division. It's which, complicated, <laughs> though, okay, Matt. Yes. No, the Proud Boys are Nazis, even though they don't have any sort of... Uh, Swastikas. <laughs> symbolism of yeah. Nazism. They have uh, Jewish people within their ranks and mm -hmm. black people and people of color, people that the Nazis typically hate, but they're Nazis. Mm -hmm. And there is no complicated truth to that. It right. is stone-cold, 100% Nazis. But this guy who actually fought in an actual nazi with the nazis like, like he was a, a little uniform and hitler's my boss the whole nine yards yes yes well it's complicated as this article will tell you you're if, telling me <laughs> and i i love this this is a section of the, the article that is the the best i can tell i'm gonna love this the headline of this section of that same article is did the division take part in nazi crimes <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to read it, but it basically goes into Dude, your saying your dad like, was in the KKK? Yeah, I mean, he didn't commit any crimes. 
Oh, yeah. fair uh, enough. He sorry. didn't take sorry the heart. For, sorry for the finger pointing there. It's, <laughs> it's a nuanced approach we have to take to this. He didn't right. actually set any crosses on fire. He stood around and watched them burn mm-hmm. just for posterity's sake. He's recording it. All right, as he long was, as he's not the guy that lit on fire... Right. We're good. No, he was the the, uh, secretary. No judgment made. He took notes. (laughs) Gotcha. No judgment made. (laughs) That's basically what they say in this article is that they did, they fought alongside Hitler, but they didn't really believe in all of Hitler's stuff. They, they really were about defeating the Russians. Well, I gotta, I gotta correct you on that one. Cause, um, Miroslav Hanka, uh, fought in the first Ukrainian division, which was the Waffen Galicia division, also known as the SS 14th Waffen division. They were an all-volunteer army fighting under the Nazis. No one forced them to fight. It's a nuanced uh, okay. It's complicated, taking, like I said. Yeah. It's, it's complicated. Yeah. Um, Why did one a volunteer? Okay, quick detour, and then we're going to come back to this. Okay. I want to hear what you have, what you came up with. But it reminds me of so. It's like we are the Nazis. The people that argue from our point of view on mm-hmm. the right, if you will, I have something to say on that too. Are supposed to be the Nazis. Yeah. The actual Nazis, the people that we call Nazis, like Justin Trudeau, mm-hmm. and the people who are actual Nazis show themselves in full regalia almost. He's not wearing anything, but he's getting this full-on applause from the people that we consider to be more authoritarian. When he's not in brown face, mocking Indian people. Exactly. Yes. Then, by the way, the Indian press is having a fucking yes. field day with this. <laughs> <It's> awesome. <laughs> Uh, you know, th- then we can have a nuanced approach, I, right? I, I always order soccer jerseys of like, just I had like something I ideological, I, I like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh, I love, I love, used to love watching the African World Cup. I'm like, it, they're just better soccer players. Like, it's just a more aggressive game. It's faster paced. There's not a yeah. lot of bitching and moaning and rolling on the ground. Totally. So I would order like a Nigeria soccer jersey. When you jersey. say better soccer players, you mean like better men. Better men, yes. Yes. And so I was actually I was watching the India stuff, like, oh, I should look at an India soccer jersey. Because <laughs> they're like coming full court press nice. against this fucking weasel. Exactly. Yes. It's cool. Uh, okay, the detour is this. The same thing happens with the, what would I classify this as? Let's just say, well, let me put it to you this way. We are supposed to be the racists. We're not. And we call out the people who are. Mm-hmm. And they do the same kind of backpedal, uh, damage control, they throw out the diversion tactics. Right. And the one that comes to mind is Margaret Sanger. Mm-hmm. Do you know who the biggest purveyor of abortions in America is? Planned Parenthood. Yes. Margaret Sanger. Outspoken eugenicist. And racist. And racist. So... She wanted to, quote, get rid of the Negro problem. And who helped her with that was the old Willie Gates Sr. Exactly. Helped her put Planned Parenthood together. So what did Planned Parenthood, what was it founded on? It was basically founded. It was a eugenicist movement. On eugenics. Yeah. They called birth control, uh, uh, Margaret Sanger originally, who kind of made birth control available, Mm -hmm. helped make birth control available to everyone. You know, she wanted to call birth control. Race control. Oh, really? Yes. I'm glad that branding agency tapped her. Like, maybe we can <laughs> tone that down a bit. little bit. So, uh, if, you know the book Freakonomics? Yes. You ever read that? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the part in there where they talk about why the crime wave of the 
80s and 90s um, ended. Vaguely familiar with this. It's the it's the people. It, it gets butchered all the time, but it's the people that link crime statistics to uh, access to abortion. Yeah. Right. So check this out. Crime had begun to rise in this the 1960s. Economics podcast continued on through the 70s and 80s, and by 1990, it seemed that everyone was scared everywhere, all the time. Robberies, assaults, and even murder have replaced shoplifting, vandalism, and truancy. Crime became a top priority among Democrats. It doesn't matter whether or not they were deprived as a youth. Who and Republicans <laughs> too. There are no <laughs> violent offenses that are juvenile. You rape somebody, you're an adult. Experts call them super predators. Everyone agreed that violent crime was out of hand. There's a tidal wave of juvenile violent crime right over the horizon. But the problem didn't get worse. In the early 1990s, violent crime began to fall, and then it fell and fell and fell some more. In many places today, violent crime is at historic lows. With a few exceptions, crime across the U.S. has plunged. Why? What led to this unprecedented and wildly unexpected turnaround? Everyone had their theory. Better policing, the reintroduction of capital punishment, a stronger economy, the demise of the crack epidemic. Meanwhile, a pair of academic researchers came up with another theory. It was surprising, it was jarring, but it seemed to hold great explanatory power. And he said, well, I think maybe legalized abortion might have reduced crime. So if you were king and mm-hmm. I came to you with a plan, you're king of I'm America. super scared where you're going. <laughs> and I said to you, you should be. Um, so we have a crime problem mm-hmm. going on. Let's say it's the 1980s. You're king of America. We have a major crime problem. And the majority of the crime is coming from uh, low-income Black single single parent households. Mm-hmm. We come up with this. We have a way to to end this crime. We're gonna kill all the babies of that population group. You gone board? <laughs> <laughs> no. You would say no. I would say no. Every person who you know, even though you and I are supposedly racist, it's it's a it's a reactive versus proactive solution. Well, it's and and well, it's fucking okay. abhorrent. What do you think <laughs> Margaret Sanger would say? She would say yes. And she did say yes. She did say yes many times. And what did Planned Parenthood do? It it ended the fucking crime wave because through abortion of in a way that she said was meant to stop uh, feeble-minded people from mm-hmm. reproducing. Yeah, she was a eugenicist, and it fucking worked. Mm-hmm. But you and I would still say no to that solution. Yeah, it's And I think every other person that's against abortion would also say no to that solution, even though we are supposed to be the racists. Yeah. So just like the Zelensky thing where we're supposed to be the Nazis, we're supposed to be the racists, and yet we still are saying no. It is wrong to do that. Yeah, and yet a- the, the left and everyone that supports Planned Parenthood would not necessarily say no. They didn't say no. They'd mm-hmm. say, well, it's... That is one outcome of it, but we still say yes. And I asked you this the other day. I'm asking you again. I know you know the answer, but who is the biggest uh, uh, purveyor of child sterilization drugs for kids that are transitioning in America? You texted me that, and the first thing I thought was, it's got to be Planned Parenthood. I'm like, ah, it's too easy. I think he's trying to trick me right now. It's like when I ask you if it was a Prius or a Subaru. 
And exactly. Like, uh, I don't know. And you're Planned Parenthood. I know. God dang it. Yep, exactly. S- finally got you. <laughs> so Planned Parenthood is uh, contributing to more abortions than any other organization. Right. And now they're contributing to the sterilization of children to a greater degree than any other yeah. organization. And I'm opposed to that. I will say this, though. And actually, this I just thought of this last night. It kind of set me back. Yeah. We used Planned Parenthood when we were poor and uh, Gertrude uh, wanted to be on birth control. Planned Parenthood gave us birth control, I think, for free. The type of birth control that we used... Uh, shit. How do I say this? After we got off... I think I know where you're going. We might edit this out. Yeah. After we got off birth control, we, uh, my wife had issues with uh, fertility. Right. I don't know if she would have had issues without the birth control. I don't know if she had issues before the birth control, but I do know she had issues after the birth control. Mm-hmm. Planned Parenthood gave us this birth control. Planned Parenthood has led to the demise of more babies than any other organization, and they have now they are now supporting the sterilization of children. Right. It's by the grace of God that we have a child at all. Yeah. I'm not blaming them, but I'm just saying I because I what made me think about this was that I don't hate Planned Parenthood because they did help us, but did they? Maybe they fucked us. Yeah. I don't know. So, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> heavy, huh? So anyways, yeah, we're supposed to be the racists. We're not. We actually aren't. We love everybody, man. That's our thing. And the <laughs> these lefty organizations <laughs> these lefty organizations that uh, are supposed to be like for everybody or bleeding heart type of uh, just compassionate organizations are the ones that are actually leading to the demise of certain groups of people. And it doesn't just happen in abortion. I mean, it happens with welfare and with all sorts of the programs that they put into place. They fuck over poor people over and over and over again. The thing that frustrates me about a lot of these situations is, as I was saying before, they're always reactive and not proactive. It's like, what's the actual problem? Because you can look at the crime statistics and, I mean, the numerous psychological, you know, and sociology studies have been done. It's like, if someone tapped me, King, and say, you have... I'm going to give you one wish to make society better. I'm like, every father's in the home. Perfect. Yeah, that's go. what I would every say. Every father's too. in the exactly. home. Exactly. This would solve so many fucking problems. I mean, yeah. the, the statistics are obvious. Yeah. I mean, uh, how would you do that without a magic wand? Right. Right. But that would be the encourage. That's what you would be encouraging. Yeah. You wouldn't be encouraging abortion. Yeah. No. You wouldn't be encouraging welfare, people getting paid to not work. Yeah. Things like that. You'd be encouraging the things that have proven, even today, uh, I just heard Thomas Sowell talking about how these statistics about blacks being like behind in, in different soci- sociological measures mm-hmm. do not apply to blacks who are married. Yeah. In fact, they're better. Or first generation married, people from India or Africa. Yeah, or Nigeria, whatever. whatever yeah. yeah. They're, they're above whites in almost every category. So are married black couples. Yeah. In like uh, American born blacks. Right. It's, it's, it's almost like a, I think, there's there's a direct correlation, like a, uh, a direct metaphor. It's the same thing as like when we talked about a long time ago, when you talk about we have like a really bad homeless problem 
here in California mm -hmm. and here in Sonoma County. I was like, what, what do we have? 65% of the homeless population is in California at this point. Yeah. Something like I that. I hear all sorts of And crazy when numbers. you talk to people about that, where they don't want to, because you have a guy like Douglas Murray. He's like, hey, look at these crime statistics or these uh, rates of poverty or incarceration or whatever of people in a single parent home, which is almost always a single, a single mom. Mm -hmm. At this point, he's like, I think if we really want to solve this problem, we have to be honest with the data and address this. We have to address it in the beginning, not in the middle with a reactive situation. It's the same thing with the homeless problems. Like you talk to people that are like, well, you know, cost of housing and the economy and, uh, you know, everyone, you know, they got to go somewhere. And every, I was like, if the first thing I, we walk out our front door, the first in your sentence, one of the first things, if you're not going to address mental illness and addiction, like you're not being honest and we're not, and therefore we're not going to come up with a solution. Right. Like that is such a pervasive part, like overarching part of this problem. We have to like, if we can't even, if you can't bring yourself to talk about it because like, well, you're just blaming the victim. I was like, I'm trying to help this person. Right. If he's schizophrenic and, I'm, and there's a huge overlap between mental illness and addiction. It's like, if you, if that can't come out of your mouth then we're not going to solve this problem. We're just going to keep throwing money at it. Now we have a homeless industrial complex. The problem just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And then you get a, that dolt fucking Gavin Newsom who's due for an oil change in his hair at this point who looks at all this, you know, skid row and goes, what the hell are we doing here? And like, what the hell are you doing here? Like you've been, you live in a one party state. You could have an executive order on your desk written and ready to go by five o'clock today. You have no opposition. You live in a state with no opposition and this problem keeps getting worse. No. And you have your hands up on TV going like, what the hell are we doing here? No. Like, what who, are what, you doing who, here? You've made who's this. Who's we? Who's you, we? You've made this problem way worse than it was. What are you doing? You started out saying you were going to end homelessness in San Francisco in what was that? Or 2004 or something yeah. like that. And, like, where are we now? Now your governor is insanely worse, and you're still holding your hands up. Like, what do we? There's no we. Yeah. We didn't fall short. Yeah, why are you we intentionally? Didn't, we didn't have an early dinner. You had an early <laughs> dinner. You caused us. Why a are you problem. intentionally making the homeless problem worse? Because we have a homeless industrial complex. There's people making two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollars a year to not solve the problem. All right, I don't want to get too sidetracked okay. here. Let's. I want to hear what you had to say on this. Uh, Okay, so you touched a little bit on the pee break. are sitting there applauding an actual Nazi, a guy that was part of the Nazi party uh, that fought under the Nazi regime in the SS Waffen in the 14th uh, Division. I'm sorry, correction. They weren't sitting there applauding. They're standing. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Which I have very little thoughts on, to be honest. I'm like, I don't, if you want to applaud that guy, I have no problem. I was like, but the problem I have is hypocrisy is that you were calling people like, that, for example, that supported the truckers protest. Nazis. Nazis. Yeah. No, these are the Nazis. I'm like, yes. your own citizens, your own tax paying citizens. Look at their brand citizens. new Nazi flags. They are peacefully <laughs> protesting with their brand new Nazi flag. With fresh, the out of the, fresh out of the saran wrap. And a Confederate flag for some reason, which is <laughs> North will rise again. <laughs> That's right. Is how are they Nazis, like peacefully protesting? So when people would say, 
those of us blessed with the internal dialogue, like, well, aren't you doing the same thing that they're doing? I was like, no, we're not. Number one, that is an actual Nazi. That guy was part of the, he fought in the not actually fought in World it's, War II under com- the Nazi. It's complicated, if Matt. Not, <laughs> if, if at any time on your resume you can point to something like, at one time Hitler was your boss, that would probably <laughs> most likely would make you a Nazi. Number two, the reason why this isn't Hippocrat, um, this is not hypocrisy to point this out, is that we're not the ones go- that go around and yell that everyone's a Nazi for mildly disagreeing with us. Precisely. Or that, that guy wants lower taxes, Nazi. That guy yeah. is uh, you know, on time for work, Nazi. Yeah. Oh, he likes guy. milk, Nazi. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> he wakes up in the morning, <laughs> Nazi. And so the, I just, I get, and a lot of that stuff is just, you get into like the zero calorie, the slacktivism, because, you know, you look at when these narratives, like they start to feed on themselves and spin out control. And then you see, you know, they're calling the people involved in the truckers protest, Nazis and white supremacists and misogynists, and then anyone that supported it online. And then it goes so far that it just goes into this abstract absurdity where they're saying like, oh, you know, that the hashtag honk honk, HH, H-H hello, hello Hitler. Like, <laughs> so therefore, if you're sharing that hashtag, like you're a Nazi. I'm mm-hmm. like, it's just weird when the people that are standing, giving a standing ovation for an actual Nazi. No, they're not pointing, Nazis. They no, have like no. 10 fingers pointing off their body at everything that's a it's, Nazi. You're like, this is very, I don't know. It's it's complicated. It's just Matt. the obvious, yes, to quote the article, is very uh, complicated. And then that, so have you looked into this Miroslav Hunka guy? I mean, uh, yeah, a little bit. Pretty obviously yeah. he was a Nazi. Yeah. As I was saying before, I mean, they have it. They traced back his actual combat service yes. was under the, the Hitler regime. regime. Yeah, but I mean, for a couple of expert uh, researchers like you and me, yeah, you can find that stuff. But I'm sure... It, it the, took me quite a while. Yeah. Uh, like three, four minutes. Yeah, I think it <laughs> took dildo like 0.4 <laughs> seconds to yes. come up with that search. But that being the low-hanging fruit, I got to be honest, like that's not what bothers me because... I have such a low standard for these people, the mm-hmm. Trudeaus and the Newsoms and the Mitch McConnells. No, and, you expect right? this kind of yeah, and just like know, this is this just, hypocritical behavior. This is just what, what what you guys do. So now I'm gonna get to what actually bothers me, and we're gonna ratchet this ratchet this up <laughs> as we go. Excellent. Just increasingly uh, irritating. Good. Is the second thing that comes out to you, and you touched on this briefly, is just the Sheer incompetency, right? Mm-hmm. So you guys plan this huge event, and it's all centered around Ukraine, and Zelensky's there, and Zelensky's pumping his fist at this guy who was a Nazi, and everyone is with just orgasmic fervor is, like, applauding of, like, this guy. And you go, as we did, and what, what it took us uh, two minutes, we're like, all right, let's do a little math. 98 years old, fought the Russians. That would be World War II. Who fought the Russians in World War II? Nobody think about this, like that this guy probably fought for the Nazi regime. And so you go, I can't say that everyone in the House of Commons is a fucking moron, right? I mean, but I attribute, assumed, I I attribute anything related to bureaucracy. I'm like, it's just, it's, it's so inefficient. Yeah. And and it's, and the group think and the normative conformity is so pervasive. I think it's just, no, you don't ask these questions. You don't don't get to that position by being intelligent. You get to that position by checking boxes and 
standing up and applauding louder than the person right or as the saying goes so which is it stupid or a liar <laughs> like are you lying yeah. or are you just fucking dumb and incompetent it's got to be one or the other so then i take this down another level so you go you know, am i trying to make the case that justin trudeau and the canadian parliament are secretly you know running some kind of nazi plan no that's not what i'm doing did they, so therefore, did they knowingly stand up and feverishly applaud for a known Nazi, guy that we know is a Nazi? I'm like, not entirely, but kind of. And so I started thinking about like, okay, so what, what is it, if those are our two bookends, right? Like, what, it's got to be something. It's either one of those two things or somewhere in between, right? So, and this is the part that I think, got a little interesting because the point I took away from this is that is when the propaganda and narrative, because what's the propaganda? We're supporting the cur current thing. This is the thing we're, we're supporting, right? which is, for this situation, Ukraine. Yeah. We're pro-Ukraine. We're with Ukraine. Russians bad. So anyone that killed Russians and is Ukrainian is good. Obviously a hero. Right. And despite anything, and, and, and let, let me know what your thoughts are on this. Is when well, they, okay, I will. Yeah, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Uh, my thoughts are, it's so easy in your mind, in these people's minds, mm -hmm. to go, ah, God, we need like a, we need a history of fighting the Russians and some, you know, someone that we can right. roll out onto stage <clears throat> who is this old guy that's, we've been fighting the Russians forever. Here's an old guy that fought the Russians. We're all going to fight the Russians together. It's just this, this thing we do. We hate the Russians. And they roll them out there. That's the current thing. With zero thought behind it. Yes. Which is kind of the point that I took away from this. I'm like, you guys are. Like, it's not a fucking thing. Fighting the Russians is a new idea, but they're trying to paint this picture like it's this old thing that we've all done forever. Right. It's like, yeah, some of us. Because it's, it's... Some of us who were fucking Nazis in <laughs> World War II. <laughs> I dug up this quote from, or from Orwell, which I'm sure you recognize from the book 1984. Who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. Because the current thing right now, as we we're saying, is Ukraine good, Russia bad. That's the end of it. Yeah. And then you go like, yeah, but this guy fought for the SS Waffen, the, the 14th <laughs> Division under the Nazi regime. But it's complicated. They go like, well, that was the past. We're not talking, we're talking about the present right now. He killed Russians. That's the narrative. That makes him supporting the current thing. That's all that we're thinking for. Therefore, when you put it in the context of this oral quote, you go, if, if, if you present it like this, it overrides the past in order to refute the predetermined narrative or the current thing they right. make them align right so we're, we're going to run a coordinated propaganda campaign to call truckers peacefully protesting nazis but we're not all concerned about for example the azov battalion which i don't mean, how much do you know about the azov battalion yeah I mean, we've been talking about it forever right like, that is the nazi organization or you know branch of the government or military in the ukraine that we've been saying forever is the nazi problem right and like one, I was one saying, of, one of the Nazi problems. Yeah, it's true. That's not the only one. Yeah. And I was saying that if you dildo Ukraine's Nazi problem, you're going to come up with a lot of articles that are written post the Ukraine Russia war that we're in now. Yeah. yeah. Anything that before are 2014 gets. They're very saying things like we different. said. It's complicated. Yeah. It's not you know. But everything before 2018, 
is like there's a serious problem. I mean, the, the most liberal papers out there are talking about New there's York a Times, serious Nazi problem in Ukraine. So when you bring up something like that, and we were kind of joking about it on the last podcast, is, you know, uh, let's just stereotype someone who just unquestionably puts the Ukraine flag in front of their house or a sticker on their car. And they're going, My next-door well, neighbor. Yeah, I stand with Ukraine. You're like, are you concerned at all about the origins of the Azov Battalion, for example, and its ties to neo, the neo-Nazi movement. And if I asked my next-door neighbor that, they would just have a blank look. Yeah. I'm not really concerned which, which about we say anything. is internal dialogue. You're like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. You're like, that's, <laughs> just, that's never mind. Like step one of this conversation, and you haven't even looked into uh, it. And these are the same people when you, you know, to take it to, like, a deeper level, you just go like, are you at all... Do you at all find it peculiar that all of your opinions perfectly align with what's on mainstream media? They never deviate from what's on MSNBC or CNN or New York Times or anything like that. And that I think that goes back to the internal dialogue that we were talking about before. And I'm not even trying to do this on some like pseudo pseudo moral high ground of like there there is no country the country doesn't exist that hasn't worked with some horrific you know, brutal paramilitary corrupt regime before, like that doesn't exist. I mean, if you, here's a game, uh, go home, open up a map of South America, close your eyes, put a finger down, whatever country your finger lands on, dildo that and put in that country, Nicaragua, and then write CIA involvement or Panama CIA involvement or, um, and then add, um, president and Plane crash, just if you want to have a little more fun. Then even for more fun, add Hillary Clinton into there. I guarantee, <laughs> a guarantee an article will come up. So I well, started- it's the Monroe Doctrine, that <laughs> we have the right to do whatever we want to any country in the Western Hemisphere. So when you look at the, just the recent, so because, you know, we're talking about all this is centered around Ukraine right now, and the, and the narrative, the thing, the support, the current thing, is to stand with Ukraine, which... I don't have a problem if people want to stand with Ukraine. That's whatever. You you make your own decision. But what I have a problem with is to go back to what we were talking about before is like the hypocrisy that kind of invades these ideologies. And so the most glaring example would be someone like Justin Trudeau constantly preaching about white supremacy and calling people Nazis and then standing up, you know, and, and applauding an actual Nazi like an actual guy you know, that fought for the Nazi party. So when you look at, if we bring it to the U.S. and the, the Ukraine, if you look at the, how familiar are you with the U.S. involvement in Ukraine beginning back, go, if you go back to like 2014 with the Maidan revolution. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm up to date, I think. We have been working, the U.S. have been working with. I listened to my uh, Scott Horton episodes. Okay, there uh, you go. Regularly. So yeah, yeah. By the way, did you hear Dave Smith describing Scott Horton's brain? Oh yeah, what what did yes? How what did he say? It was so he, good. He because Dave Smith is really great at remembering all of the yeah. data and dates and historical facts when yeah. he's talking about uh, U.S. military involvement and stuff. But right. He said Scott Horton is even he's more a freak, of a genius. He's a freaking nature. He's a freaking yeah. He's a genius. Yeah. And he goes, he asked Scott Horton like, "How does your brain work, man? How do you remember all this?" He's like, "Well, you know how it is, like." Like in your brain, like when you picture a date, like you have 1981 and that 
there's a line and it ties to 1982 and that line ties to 83 and 84 and a line. And then there's a circle around that, like in your mind. And then there's a, you know, a line that then from that circle goes to the nineties and it's 91 and there's a circle around that. And then, you know, and Dave just, when he gets done, Dave's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> no, my brain does not Nobody's work. Nobody's brain works that way. You are on a completely another level than the rest of us. <laughs> And honestly, that's how I think about your brain, my friend. <laughs> it's a very uh, complex yeah. <laughs> existence. You're up there with Scott Horton. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> so uh, I'm not, but I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> but when we look at, so let's go back to 2014 because we reference that quite a bit. And then we have found that the U.S. has been working with these far-right neo-Nazi paramilitary organizations. You know, uh, not because we believe with them, we believe what they believe ideologically, but because they are politically expedient and they are beneficial to our goals overseas, right? So we, we often like reference the infamous Victoria Newland call, which I'll play a little bit of, but the Victoria Newland was working with the State Department whose husband is Robert Kagan by the way, who worked for a project for a new American century. For those of you at home that want to keep uh, tabs on your American hegemony, global super, <laughs> global military super couples, <laughs> is uh, when the Maidan Revolution, I think it was also called the... It's called the uh, U.S.-backed coup to overthrow <laughs> yes, the democratically yeah, elected yeah. government thank of you, Ukraine. Thank you. Is... If you listen to this entire call, because we always reference the, you know, and, you know, and fuck the EU, you know, part of that. And, you know, fuck the EU. Yes, thank you. <laughs> but when you listen to that entire call and you put that within the context of just doing a little bit of a dig on Ukraine, it ties all this shit in these neo-Nazi far-right ethno-nationalist groups. It ties them all together. And it's, yeah. and it's all within this phone call, which I think is pretty fascinating Here, here's a snippet of the phone call you can look this up just put in uh newland leaked phone conversation it's on youtube it's got subtitles and everything I told you this or if i only told washington this that when i talked to jeff feltman this morning he had a new name for the u.n guy robert seri did i write yeah. you that this morning yeah okay. i saw that he, he's now gotten both seri and ban ki-moon to agree that seri could come in monday or tuesday okay so that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the U.N. help glue it and, you know, fuck the EU. No, exactly. And I think we've got to do something to make it stick together because you can be pretty sure that if it does, if it does start... This call was made during the Maidan coup in which then-President uh, Yanukovych, if I'm Yanukovych. Yanukovych, thank you, was overthrown and was replaced by the U.S. back Yatsnik, known as Yahtzee in the phone call. If you listen to the whole phone call, you'll see her say, like, Yahtzee, Yahtzee is our man. Now, with this phone call, once you understand just the kind of bare bones of what's going on here in Ukraine right now during the Maidan coup, is the U.S. under Victoria Newland and the State Department, and I would guess the CIA, went in there, and there was already a mild civil unrest going in there. They went in there facilitated this coup because they wanted the Yanukovych out because he was sympathetic with Russian interest and right. not aligned with U.S. And at that right. time, it's U.S. versus Russia. And as we all know, democracy means 
liking the United States. <laughs> yes. If you don't like the United States, then that's not democracy, uh, my friend. Apparently for the State Department, democracy is synonymous with hegemony <laughs> and complete world dominance. So one of the people that she references in this call, she re- references uh, Yahtzee, Yanukovych, and then another guy named Ola Tainabak. Tainabak was the leader of the far-right ethno-nationalist Savota Party which is the Ukrainian Social Nationalist Party, which is basically like reading the Nazi acronym backwards, the National Socialist Party, which is what <laughs> Nazis were. So this guy was the Ukrainian version of the Nazis, so much so that even their flag was the Wolf's Angel, which is an actual Nazi flag. Mm-hmm. That, that was, the, that was the, the insignia that they used for their, their political party. The Savota Party was brought into the U.S., State Department under Victoria Newland as basically the muscle to facilitate this coup, right? We have this far-right, neo-Nazi, ethno-nationalist leader of this, um, man, his name's fucking tricky, Tynabok, I think it's pronounced, leader of the Savota Party. He's like, hey, we need you to kick this revolution into gear. Mm-hmm. And they did, along with a couple other parties. They're kind of like the Antifa of <laughs> Ukraine. Of J6, January yeah. <laughs> 6, exactly. And this is the time back that Newland is referring to the phone call. If you listen to the whole thing, I might try to cut it into there where, where they reference him. And he said that Newland is explaining to the Ukrainian ambassadors, like, we need this guy, the leader of the Savota party, as well as a couple other parties. Um, uh, they're all far right national uh, nationalist neo-Nazi parties. Like, we need them to stay in the background. And this new U.S.-backed leader that we have, like there's going to be the interim um, president before eventually Poroshenko ended up taking it over. It's like this guy, he's sympathetic to U.S. interest. He's anti-Russian. And we need these other guys, These basically these neo-Nazi political leaders. They need to stay in the background. But we need Poroshenko eventually and the interim president that they put in who was, who was that guy again? Yanukovych. Yanukovych, thank you, is they need to be talking on the phone at least four times a week. This is in the phone call. You can go. So they, they can go and listen to it on YouTube. Oh, and I think, I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. in these details, because their names are so silly, Yeah, um, it's hard to like, right. keep it straight. But yeah. is, was Yanukovych the democratically elected president that we overthrew? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we overthrew him. He was the one that was sympathetic to the ethnic Russians and basically what we saw as a Putin sympathizer okay. or whatever. So we had him overthrown via this revolution, put in this other guy, and these other, the, the leaders of these other political parties, um, like the Savota Party were, was the most prominent one, who also helped run the Azov Battalion. So what they did is they went and enforced this coup so we could get a leader sympathetic U.S. interest right. into there via these, like, neo-Nazi parties. Okay, here's step one of the complicated Nazi problem. So right. then you look at the Donbass region, which is wholly ethnic Russian. Right. So civil unrest starts there. So they start to revolt, and basically the civil war starts. And then these neo-Nazi parties, like the Azov Battalion, for example, and uh, another one I think was called... Um, not swipe right. That's uh, the right sector. Swipe <laughs> the right sector and Azov Battalion going to Donbass. Swipe right sector. And they just start wiping out all the ethnic Russians. 
right? Now we have a full-on war on our hands, right? Right. We're, we're off and running. And on one side of this war, due to the U.S.'s involvement, now we are linked to these neo-Nazi parties fighting ethnic Russians in the Donbass region. This is the beginning. I mean, there's been conflict in this region forever, but now, like, this is why it has become, like, what it has become, right? Yep. And so once the war starts, the civil war starts, in, you know, starting in the Donbass region, is now this is when we start to see like the headlines and you know now we see the the political binary of like well whose side are you on we're 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 supporting ukraine and the azov battalion and the the swipe right battalion <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh, those are our neo-nazi paramilitary groups They're like doesn't matter like we're not talking about that. No, we don't actually care about Nazis. Nazi yeah. just means someone we don't agree with. Exactly. In this case, yeah, we you agree did, with them. You so. didn't think we were really <laughs> serious about like not liking Nazis. Now it's just like a pejorative that we throw exactly. around. <laughs> so now we see Ukrainian flags. This, this, so this would explain all the Ukrainian flags and the the pictures of these paramilitary groups with the Ukrainian flag and the giant swastika flag. Right? Like th this is this is their thing. In California, we just go with the Ukrainian flag <laughs> for your house because if you went the other way, you'd be breathlessly explaining to everyone that walked by your house why you have a giant swastika hang up in your house. But that being said, a lot of work. there's not a, not a huge bridge between these two things and just trying to explain that to you. And I bring this up because when you, first off, if you want to be vocal and highly opinionated, and to go into this binary binary in your head that like, well, if you don't stand with Ukraine, you're a Russian sympathizer. You're like, I'm not a Russian sympathizer. I have no love for Russia. I do have some questions over who we are supporting over there in Ukraine as someone just, just not particularly fond of Nazis, despite what you probably think of me by even having this conversation. Like why we're sending $250 billion over there to support people with some pretty abhorrent kind of beliefs like something that we fought a world war over, to be honest with you. Do you have like no concerns about that whatsoever? You think about this? Uh, obviously not, because no one actually thinks about these things. They just stand up and applaud vigorously for the thing they're supposed to applaud for. So at least in Ukraine, like you'd be, I think you'd be foolish to think that we're not doing this everywhere, by the way, like I said, with the South America example, but we have been since 2014, you know, because it has been politically expedient for us working with neo-Nazi paramilitary groups to achieve U.S. interests. Yeah, of course. And now, am I trying to make the point that the U.S. and Canada, you know, plotting for this neo-Nazi, that they're trying to fund some new Nazi ideology? Like, no, I'm no. making the point that we have chosen to ignore certain things, past and present, to go back to the Orwell quote, because it supports the current thing. You could even make the case that I'd be willing to listen to the case that as abhorrent as it sounds, like if some of these groups are ends justify the means, ends justify the means, like, well, we have to use these horrific groups to get to this inordinate goal that we're trying to get to. Fine. I want to hear that case. Like that's, that's fine. What I don't, I mean, I'm still against it. I'm still against it. Yeah, well, just like my example of you were a king. <laughs> right. And you wanted to reduce crime. Would you be willing to go to those extremes? Exactly. Like, no. But what I don't have any tolerance for is us sending $250 billion to Ukraine and supporting these far-right 
new Nazi, you know, ethno-nationalist groups. And then the next day, that demented shitbag of a president goes on TV and says, the greatest threat to America is white supremacy. It's like, fuck off. You can't have it both ways. <laughs> like, it doesn't work like that. I'm not interested in Justin Trudeau, you know, uh, standing up in the House of Commons and applauding an actual fucking Nazi, a guy that fucking hunted down Jews in a world war, and then talking about how the, the peaceful trucker protest is rooted in white supremacy and, and Nazi ideology. Right. I'm like, the point is, fuck off. You can't have it both ways. Choose which one you want. I don't want to hear both things come out of your mouth. This road is a rocky place And it's good to see A smiling face And I just ain't satisfied